Good morning. What a wonderful day it is to worship our God together. My name is Brianne Blumenthal, and I am one of the two summer interns here at SMCC. And as Reverend Bateman said earlier, this is my last Sunday. It has been such a joy to be part of this congregation for the past few months, but I am grateful to be able to preach today on my last Sunday. We are in the second week of our series, Annual Spiritual. Just as we believe it is important to go to our primary care doctor every year, or every three to five years as some of us get to it, we believe it is important to take the time to evaluate our hearts and our lives and how we can grow closer to God and to others. Last week, Reverend Von Lower took us through the eye exam, and she challenged us by asking, are our, light, are our eyes emitting darkness or are they emitting light? And this morning, we are going to be talking about the heart exam. And more specifically, we're going to be looking about how shame and guilt can impact our ability to love others. Our passage for this morning is Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 to 19, and I invite you to read along with me. Psalm 51, prayer for cleansing and pardon. To the leader, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in a word of prayer. God of love, as we take the time to examine our hearts this morning, we ask that you would help us to feel your mercy and your love. As we talk about shame and guilt, we pray that your presence would provide us with comfort. Open our hearts to your word, and may we be filled with your love. Amen. Every day we experience many different types of emotions, and two very strong ones are shame and guilt. 
They aren't often talked about because they make us feel uncomfortable. But shame and guilt are similar because they both impact our ability to love others, although they do it in very different ways. And this morning, I would like to offer two examples from my own life in order to provide a, a distinction between them. One of the joys of being a kid is that you don't understand how fragile the world is. That is, until you break something. I'm not sure if any of you ever broke something that belonged to your parents, but for me, it happened when I was in elementary school. I remember when I was about 10, my mom and I decided to go to Costco together. And during the car ride, I asked if I could wear one of her favorite bracelets. It had goldstone beads, so it was very shiny, and it had an elastic cord so I could slip it on my wrist. Well, while we were at Costco, she sent me down an aisle to get some cereal. And as I was meandering down the aisle, I started to toss the bracelet in the air. I wanted to see how long I could let it fall before I snatched it back. And I'm sure you can all guess where this is going. At some point, I got a little too confident, and I watched as the bracelet shattered on the floor. And in that moment, I felt such guilt. I knew how much my mom loved this bracelet, and I couldn't believe that I was so careless. So I quickly picked up all the pieces, and I shoved them in my pocket. And it wasn't until an hour later when we were back in the car that I told her what had happened. I was very afraid. I didn't know what she was going to say. I knew that she loved this bracelet, and so I stood there and I told her what had happened. And I was surprised that instead of getting mad, she told me that she forgave me. And in that moment, I realized that guilt is interesting because while it is something that we feel and it is something that can cause us pain, it is the words offered by another person that can relieve our pain. Shame is very different. When I was in middle school, I had a best friend who I ate lunch with every day. We had been best friends for about three years and had many great memories together. And our lunch party continued to grow until there were four of us. Well, I remember one afternoon, my friends looked at me and they said, Brianne, we are getting tired of you, so you can only sit with us every other week for lunch. And I know what you must be thinking, teenagers can be mean. Well, I remember the next few weeks, I constantly asked myself, what is wrong with me? What is it about me that makes people not want to hang out with me? And looking back, I would call what I experienced shame. And I remember that in that season, my parents and my sisters tried to encourage me and tell me that they loved me, that I was important, and that I didn't need this girl as a friend. But what I discovered is that it had nothing to do with what they said to me. And that, I believe, is the difference between guilt and shame, and it lies with our understanding of who we are. Someone once explained it to me like this. Guilt is when we have remorse or regret for something that we have done. But shame is when we believe there is something inherently wrong with us. Guilt can be fixed when someone tells us that we are forgiven, but shame is our burden to bear. Shame will only disappear when we accept ourselves. Our scripture from this morning demonstrates the freedom that can happen when we admit our guilt and refuse to fall into shame. Most of the Psalms have been attributed to David, who was one of the kings of Israel. David spent many years as a fugitive running from King Saul, and he wrote these Psalms in a variety of places in his life. For a lot of them, we don't know where he was when he wrote them, 
But for the ones that we do, it is important that we take the time to consider the context of where David was so we can fully gain an understanding of what he is trying to say. Psalm chapter 51 was written by David after the prophet over Israel, Nathan, came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Many of us have heard this story, but today we are gonna be looking at it through the context of shame and guilt. In 2 Samuel chapter five, David is finally king over Israel. And he was a very successful king. He led the people well, he was a strong leader, he cared about their needs, and he worshiped God alone. He truly was a man after God's own heart. But he was also human, and a human who makes mistakes. And in 2 Samuel Samuel chapter 11, we hear about David's sin that continues to spiral into many sins. It begins when David decides to stay home from war. At that time, in the spring, an army would go off to war, and they always chose the spring because the weather would be warmer, and the harvest was plenty, so the soldiers would always have something to eat. And it was a king's duty to go along with the army to show their power and authority to the other nations. And when we get to 2 Samuel chapter 11, we aren't told why David stays home. But all we know is that instead of reasserting his authority to the other nations, he sends an officer in his place. So late one afternoon, as he is in his palace, he looks out the window and he sees a woman bathing on the roof. And David proceeds to abuse his power by sending an officer to go get this woman Bathsheba and bring him to his bedchambers. And after Bathsheba returns home, she sends a note to David saying that she is pregnant. Now David, knowing that she is a married woman, realizes that he needs to cover his sin. So he sends a note to the army and asks for her husband Uriah to come back. And when Uriah comes, he proceeds to convince him or attempt to convince him to go spend the night with his wife. But Uriah is an honorable man, one who refuses to spend time with his wife when the rest of the army is off fighting. So David does the only thing he can think of. He sends Uriah back to the army with a note to the commander that says, place him on the front lines, and when the battle is heaviest, withdraw the troops so Uriah will be exposed. Uriah dies, and David makes Bathsheba his wife. Now at this point, David has done many terrible things, but he has yet to face God's judgment. After Bathsheba gives birth to a son, Nathan the prophet comes to David bearing this judgment. Nathan tells David a story that realizes and makes him admit his guilt. And then Nathan says, because of what you have done, your son will die in seven days. So when we get to Psalm chapter 51, we are not just reading a prayer for pardon and cleansing. We are reading the words of a man who has committed adultery, who has committed murder, who has lied, and is about to lose his son in seven days. Knowing the context of the passage allows us to better understand the weight of David's words. But it also touches on something incredible. David was able to find peace after everything that he had done because he did not fall victim to shame. After Nathan came to David, he had a choice. He could either run and hide in shame or stand there and admit his guilt. And David chose to admit his guilt and hoping and praying that God would restore him. Although there would still be consequences because of his actions, Bathsheba would never get her husband back, David and Bathsheba would still lose their child, David had the opportunity to make his heart right with God. 
And it began when he recognized that the worst part of what he had done was he had sinned against God. In verses three and four, David tells God that he knows what he has done is wrong. He says to God, against you, you alone. David understands how his actions have hurt the people around him, but he recognizes that his sin lies with God. When we do something that causes harm to another of God's creation, we are sinning against God. But the impact that guilt and shame have on our relationship with the people around us and with our God is very different. Guilt allows us the freedom to feel God's mercy. Guilt causes us to recognize our need for God. But shame traps us in feelings of unworthiness. Shame separates us from God. The position of our hearts changes our, the way we interact with the people around us. When we find ourselves in a place of guilt, we will go out of our way to do anything to make it better to, for that person. We will spend extra time with them, maybe spend extra money on them, doing anything that we can to tell them that we love them. But the hard part about this is that in our guilt, the actions that stem from that feeling can often come across as insincere. Rather than loving the people around us as they are, we get stuck in a cycle of asking ourselves, have I done enough? Do they know that I love them enough? But as David says to God in verse 16 and 17, for you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. God does not want David to sacrifice something just because he feels guilty. God desires a real relationship with David, one that begins with love, not with guilt. And I think people feel the same way. When something does, or someone does something for us because they're feeling guilty, it is often insincere and can make problems worse. But when someone does something for us because they love us, it can be one of the best feelings in the world. Examining our hearts begins with understanding the motivations behind our actions. Are we doing things for the people around us because we love them, or are we doing it out of a sense of guilt? On the other hand, shame affects our ability to love others in a very different way. When we feel shame, we are not able to love others because we ourselves do not feel as if we are worthy of love. In verse six, David asks God, you desire truth in the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. I love this image because I think it represents the emotions and the scars that David would carry around for the rest of his life. Not everyone would know what David did, but he would always know. Only David would know if he felt shame. But instead, David asks for God to restore him. David, recognizing his mistakes, does not fall victim to shame, but trusts that God will restore in him the joy of salvation and teach him wisdom in his secret heart. We are worth salvation. No matter what we have done, God's mercy is always greater than our sin. God chose to create each and every one of us. We are not perfect, but luckily God does not ask us to be. Instead, all we are asked is to love God and love others well. 
Going back to the two stories I shared at the beginning, when I experienced forgiveness from my mom at the age of 10, I realized that my life will be full of broken things and mistakes. But my guilt offers me the opportunity to examine my heart and to learn from my mistakes with the hope of loving the people around me better. In seventh grade, when I was dealing with shame and I believed I wasn't good enough, eventually I discovered that God loves me so much that he believed the world needed me. I am not perfect, and I live in a world full of imperfect people, but luckily we are all loved by a perfect God. As we are examining our hearts today, are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with your family and your friends? A heart exam is meant to reveal the condition of your muscle that gives you life. Your spiritual heart gives you life as well, and if healthy, will beat freely and will allow you to be an example to others. The purpose of a heart exam is to bring restoration to our hearts. We no longer need to feel guilty or be bound in shame because we are worthy of God's love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. My challenge for us this morning is to evaluate where in our lives we are feeling guilt and shame. Unfortunately, these feelings do not disappear overnight. But we can have hope that by pursuing a relationship with God, we will be restored. When our hearts are in a good place, we are able to love others in a way that will draw them closer to the love of God. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we no longer have to live in shame and guilt. We are free to find peace.